the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. The street lights have been and it smells like rain. The tequila I drank eases the pain. It erases the sound of your tears as they fell to the floor. Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 76, and my guest is Jim Keller. Jim has lived a wild creative life. He co-wrote the song 8675309, you know the one, as a member of Tommy Two-Tone in the 80s, and then went on to manage the composer Philip Glass's career and publishing company, a role he remains in to this day, all the while putting together his own impressive solo career, including his most recent record, which comes out in February. It's called By No Means. It's produced by Mitchell Froom. Uh, that is important for a few reasons. One is, y'all, my um, suspect Wi-Fi connection was not cooperating when I recorded this wonderful conversation with Jim. And so the first few minutes of our talk are um, are lost forever, I guess, except in my brain. So he kind of like, we're right in the middle as we begin the conversation. Uh, we'd been talking for about five minutes and Jim uh, is, is discussing by no means and the, um, the influence of producer Mitchell Froome on the collection of songs and on, on Jim making this record in the first place. And the only other thing that I think you missed that is important to the conversation is that um, Jim's sitting in a, in a room, um, we're on a Zoom call, and it, it's just sort of like a, a workspace that he's in, kind of his office. Um, and we referenced that space uh, a couple of times during the conversation because we were kind of just talking about having a place to be creative. Um, so other than that, I don't think you missed much, and this conversation was such a delight. I'm so honored to bring you my conversation with Jim Keller. Of course, of course. As soon as, of course, we start off talking about the technology. We get the technology. I don't. Know. Oh God. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But we're back. Yeah, <laughs> let, me yeah, make, yeah. let me make sure I'm recording again. Okay. Yeah. So the last thing that I heard you say was you froze at intimacy. Perfect place to fro- freeze, I guess. Okay. Um, um, I don't know where I was starting, but I, I, I did I talk about, you know, basically, I sent Mitchell some tracks and 
did we talk about that yeah you said you sent him some tracks and and he was um and he liked he liked them and he, he knew there was something to him and he liked the intimacy of you with an yeah. acoustic guitar yeah yeah he honed he honed straight in on that and so um uh we spent some time i uh, went out a couple of different trips and kind of just worked through all the material to find the right arrangements and you know um uh, the right tempos, the right keys for everything. And uh, and then we put together a session with players that, you know, kind of listen in that way and can uh, not drive the song, but facilitate the song. Mm -hmm. And, you know, great players with great ears can do that. And so, um, and then we cut it live. So, mm -hmm. uh, but the whole thing is based on my thumb of the rhythmic structure of my playing as rudimentary as it is and my voice and then building all this stuff very subtly around it and you know it's um it was really fun to make because there's very little on it mm. you know there's not much going on mm -hmm. um it doesn't ask for more but um you know it's not a big band you know there mm. isn't a there's not a bunch of solos, there's not a bunch of parts. Uh, we cut it basically live. Um, almost everything is live and the vocals are pretty much live. You know, we do a take. And if that we said, okay, that's the one, then I'd go back and re-sing a couple right over it just so we could pull words and that kind of thing. Um, but it is, it was that kind of that, the joy of finding the simplicity in it. And that was always the, that was always the goal for both of us to do that. Well, and one of the things that the there is a some so there's a simplicity it, it, indeed but there's also like an emotional complexity to the songs and um mm. and uh when i listen like there's even these moments and there was this kind of cool moment for me i say kind of cool it was it was heavy really where i've been listening to this record for a couple of weeks and um this morning i got up and gave it another run through and just really sat with my coffee and spent some time with it and Last night I had this weird dream, man. And I don't know if I'll cut this out or not, but I had this weird dream about a woman from my past, right? Mm -hmm. And like a relationship. And there wasn't anything like terribly bad about that relationship. Um, but it was um, it was weird and complicated, you know? Um, and so I listened to Mistakes and there's something about that song that just hit me in a different way um, because I think you could give it one listen and you could feel like, um, oh, it's just kind of a straightforward song about just, you know, failed relationships or something. But the the emotional space I was in this morning led to something a little bit deeper and heavier for me. And I, I was thinking about this person um, and, and connecting it to those lyrics and to that song. And I wonder when you're writing, you know, and you're sitting in that space that you're sitting in now and you have your guitar, um, are... are how much of that insight are you aware of and how much of that emotional connection are you aware of? Um, or is it more that you are just whatever has, whatever comes up, comes up? Uh, well, if I'm fortunate, uh, and a mistakes is a very good example of, you know, on one hand, you could just say a guy rattling off the names of girls that he, you know, split up with or something. Mm -hmm. But that song, that isn't what the song is about, you know, mm -hmm. for me personally, mm -hmm. you know, to me, it's about, mistakes and it's about regret and you know so for me to be able to be successful with that song is to be able to take that element 
that I'm feeling with it and to have that somehow get through that song so mm -hmm. that when it comes out to somebody else that is there, even though I'm not spelling it out, uh, it's not just about mistakes I've made with relationships. It's about, you know, a big, broader, deeper, you know, litany of mm -hmm. stuff that I regret. And, you know, that's one of the joys of songwriting and the joys of singing uh, is that, you know, you find your own story as a singer. And, you know, the, the goal is, you know, for good singers is to be able to project that. It's not about the words specifically. It, of course, is in there and it's buried in there. But what somebody is getting across is not something that's uh, in the in the lyric, it's something that's you know driving those lyrics and beneath and the roots and underneath those words. You know the great singers. That's what they're able to do is they're able to destroy you with something that someone else could sing and it would sound silly, right? You know, or even someone else's song. You know, sometimes yeah, so, that's right. You know, which is always yeah. amazing to me when someone can take someone else's song and make it feel completely different based yeah. on the way they sing it or play it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's some of the magic stuff. So uh, on a granular level, what does your writing process look like? Can you kind of walk through um, how the song comes together, at least the iPhone part, <laughs> the, the rough demo part? Well, I mean, literally I walk into this room and I pick up the guitar and I start playing. Mm. And uh, I mean, the first thing you do, as I always say, is you have to show up. Uh -uh. Uh, you got to go to that room. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you're guaranteed nothing will happen. Right. Um, and then, you know, I hit something and I'll play some chords. And it's basically seeing if there's a couple of things. One is an emotional connection uh -huh. uh, to something you're playing. And then you kind of take off from there and just see where it leads and kind of give up, give into it. And, um, you know, sometimes you get a hook. Sometimes there's a lyric hook that you try to work with and it's kind of a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, but to, for the most part, it's picking up the guitar and just playing some chords and seeing where, you know, what kind of connection that has. Is there a lot of editing then in that process? Because I mean, again, there's so much, there's so much in these songs. And, um, and I love how you broke down mistakes like that. Um, because there is so much in these songs and, and lyrically they are rich. There are some, and I love how like, you're able to take kind of simple phrases and and pack a lot into those into those somewhat simple phrases um but there is a lot emotionally there so are you like moving things around a lot or well it depends sometimes yes and um i i work a lot with a guy named byron isaacs i don't know who you know byron mm -mm. Uh, he played with levon helm for years and now he's in the illumineers oh, okay. um and he lives around the corner and he and i have been working together for 15 years and a lot of what happens is that I'll work on something and then Byron will come over and I'll play what I'm doing. And then he and I will tweak with like trying to find little changes. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's one of the things that's amazing about songs is that, you know, somebody could come in and change one word or one little phrase. And it takes something from being like, just forget about it to something that actually works. And uh, I mean, don't get me going because it's, it's um, you know, I worship at the altar of song. And, you know, when that's, the difference- That's what we're doing here, Jim. <laughs> I, <know, well, laughs> I want to get you going. Well, hey, the difference- uh, No, that's exactly what we do on the show is, is okay. you know, is get, however you want to go, and especially in terms yeah. of like a breaking down songs. I mean, 
you know, the creative process in general is, is what this is about. And, yeah. um, and I, I certainly want to hear more about the other parts of your life as well, because you've lived an incredible musical and creative life. But, um, but, I, but I really am impressed with this collection of songs um, and, and the way it came out. And I love the choices that you made in terms of, um, you know, that, that you did keep it kind of spare, that you, um, that, that, that again, there's such an, for me, when I listen, there's so much emotion that comes through and, um, and I'm able to connect with that in a big way. Yeah. I think, you know, also there's different ways of, uh, connecting. And I mean, I, I always use the difference between like John Prine and, uh, Bruce Springsteen, both of whom are incredible songwriters, you know, uh, John Prine never tells you how to feel. Uh huh. You know, he sings the song and, and it can be devastating and he's just singing his song you know bruce tells you how to feel wow yeah you know what i mean i mean it's uh -huh. like and there are different you know so it's and there's so I, much value in, e in either one of those yeah that's right but they're really dramatically different to me wow and i think that you know for me uh, i actually uh, even though I gravitate more naturally to the Springsteen side, whether I like it or not, I like the John Prine sign more. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, and, you know, so some of the things, if I can accomplish that, where I'm not telling somebody how to feel, mm -hmm. but it's getting through, then I'm, that makes me really happy when something like that can happen. Oh, that's what this yeah. record is definitely full of. And I think that's so interesting. And maybe this will get us kind of down the road of like your musical life, because I think it's interesting that you start off with this, you know, big pop hit and uh, in this major pop band. And then it's like, and then you go on and you, you get in kind of the business side of things. And now you're making this, this record that is more of a, um, I'm not going to show you how to feel or tell you how to feel. I'm going to kind of show you the way and, you know, whatever you do with it, you do with it. So like, I kind of want to ask you about lessons you've learned about the creative process throughout the years and having all those experiences. Um, are there lessons that maybe you've learned that you kind of wish you would have had as a young songwriter that you've learned over time? Oh, uh, it's so, t it's so tough because in the beginning, you know, we were writing pop songs yeah. and I still love pop songs and I still write pop songs, you know, but that was, you know, it was in my twenties and uh, it was, it was a unit. It was me and Tommy Heath. And then we had a band and we would rehearse every day and work out parts and, you know, um, so it was, it was so different. It's also, you know, that was however many years, that was a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, how can you have regrets? I'm really happy that I can do what I do now. Um, I'm really happy that I can write songs that I'm proud of. And, um, you know, that's not easy to do. That is really hard to do. <laughs> um, but I could never have gotten across what I'm doing now uh, 20 years ago, let alone 30 years ago or 40 years ago. I mean, not even close. And I think that, you know, I'm in my mid 60s. And, you know, I always say there's, you know, uh, happiness or, you know, things working don't have a bye-bye date or, you know, in other words, you know, when you're, when things work, you, man, just, that is, doesn't matter when that happens, when things uh -huh. work. 
you know, whether there's, you know, if joy is happening, man, that is take it wherever that moment is. And, you know, so would I have loved to have been able to have done this 25 years ago? Yeah, I would have, but I really like it right now, right now. So, you know, I'm feel very fortunate. I mean, I'm not, that's kind of shifting over into a, a different kind of topic, but you know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of the same conversation, though, because I'm just I'm so interested in make and how you make those decisions, and and I'm in, interested in those those decision points throughout your life. Like, you're you know, you come off this this big pop pop band and the success as a pop band, and then you you go into the kind of the business side of things, managing Philip Glass and working. Did you run, or maybe you still do, his publishing company? Yeah, I manage Philip and run his publishing company, and okay. then I have another company also that manages other people but that's a different i mean i know it's it's part of the same world but it's not right it's it's a different it's a very different thing it occupies a different brain space and so totally yeah how do you schizophrenic yeah well that's what i want so (laughs) there's two two questions then and um one is like how because how did you come about making the decision to go that down that route and um and then the second question which i can circle back on is like how you balance those two brain spaces? Well, the first question is, you know, uh, I was in a pop band that lived the shelf life of a, of a pop band, which is, <laughs> you know, like this. You know, we went up, we had a, we were very fortunate. We had a, we had a single on the first record and we toured a lot. And then we had a hit, this, that song that ended up still being popular. Um, and then we crashed and burned, you know, mm. and then nobody sees except other musicians, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the seven to 10 years that happened after that when, wow. you know, I would, couldn't put, I didn't have two dimes to rub together. And I was still playing and trying to get records deals on my own and it wasn't happening. And it wasn't happening for good reason because I didn't really have, you know, what you needed to have to make it work at that time. Um, and then it, it was an act of desperation uh, trying to find a job because, you know, I. I, could, I wasn't making a living. And, uh, you know, I, the jingle world was really huge in New York at that point. And I hated it and I had, couldn't relate to it at all. Um, and I, you know, I couldn't do film, didn't do scoring work. I was a bad guitar player who wrote songs, you know. <laughs> um, so I just kind of fell on this, this situation where I heard that he was looking for someone to run his little publishing company at that point. And I bullshitted my way into a, an interview. and. You know, I was like 10 years or more older than everybody else that was applying for the job. They're all like lawyers. And I went and I just said, look, I'll, you know, I'll work for nothing. And if it doesn't work, you don't lose, you don't lose anything. And if it works, then you can start paying me. And Philip, you know, Philip came up on the street. So he loved that. And uh, I didn't know anything about his music. Um, and I didn't pretend I knew anything about his music. And, you know, I was kind of a little more sophisticated than some of the other people trying to get the gig. Mm-hmm. Um, and he liked it. So we started working together. And I didn't start out as his manager. I had, to, you know, but that was 25 years ago. So and over the course of these years, became his manager and, you know, running and becoming his partner, basically. Did you have any kind of background in that? Or did you just kind no. of figure it out? <laughs> oh, man, I didn't know anything. Opera? <laughs> 
you know, I still sit, well, I'll sit in a meeting, whatever. Yeah, but I, I think all, like the, 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 the business part of it too, though, I guess, is the other thing that I, I find so interesting. Like so often songwriters aren't exactly like the, in my, the ones I know at least, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on, on uh, anybody's business acumen. There are a few who are great at, at balancing the two, but those are just different, you know, those are different ways of thinking. And they're, they're sometimes at odds with one another um, because you have to make certain decisions that creatively, you know, you may want to take this risk or go down this route, but the the business side of running things may not allow for that. And so yeah. that's kind of that second part of the question that I was curious about, especially as you were coming off of being, you know, hustling to play your music and then it not working out. And then now you're going into the business side of things, like how you kind of operate those or balance those. Cause you're still balancing those things. Yeah. Well, I didn't balance them in the beginning. I quit mm. playing for 10 years. I didn't play guitar for 10 years Wow. Uh, because at that point, you know, the playing music was hurting me. You know, I mm. wasn't being able to move in my life. I was, you know, kind of trapped in this place that was not healthy, you know, and there's drugs and blah, 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 all the other stuff. Um. But um, uh, so, you know, I went full on trying to figure out how to learn and how to do this because I, had, I was desperate. And uh, fortunately, I found this good situation to work and to learn in. Um, but really, the tools that I had were have been the tools that I've had my whole life. And those were that I know how to get along with people and I know how to make things work just uh. on a, with, with human beings. And so for, with Philip, ultimately really uh, most of what I did with him was to allow good things to happen, you know, and to create an environment and relationships with people that allowed Philip to get what he wanted and, um, projects to happen. And, you know, uh, so a lot of the tools that, you know, I had, I already had, uh, you know, I, that's why the band Tommy Tutum was successful was a lot of it was because I knew how to, you know, put it together. Mm. Um, and those are, you know, life tools that you kind of, that I was good at. Um, and the business side, I, you know, I struggled with and I had to get people to help and lawyers and whatever, but, um, and the challenge, uh, which remains now, uh, even though I'm kind of sliding out, uh, of the work side, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's hard because you wear that, you know, you wear that skin, you are what you eat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the music, for me, it's like, I had to come into this room first thing in the morning before the phone rang, before I looked at email, um, because I needed to, I have to give myself that space before the suit, (laughs) you get that little jolt of the business thing. Um, and I had to make room for it. Uh, you know, you you have to be smart with your time. You know, I have to, I had studios and I would go there and shut the door and bring my buddies in to play. And it was like, you have to carve out that time. Um, And it is a challenge. You know, I was much funnier before I got a job. (laughs) (laughs) I was a lot more fun to hang out with. Um, so I'm gonna I gotta get back to that because you know I'm on my I'm on my third or fourth act so I think I uh, I'm gonna circle back to that one again. Oh, I love that! I love so much about that answer. I think so. It sounds like you have to kind of actually physically compartmentalize totally those two worlds. Yeah, you know, and it's a challenge. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I remember one thing that uh, I learned from Philip is that you know 
I've heard him say this. He says, well, you know, how do you, all right, why are you successful? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, you know what? You get up every morning and you just work hard mm. and at whatever that is. And, you know, for me, music, even though I stopped and that's a whole other story about starting again, is that, you know, aside from my family, because music is the most important thing in my life mm. and writing and playing and being a part of the community that, uh, you know, this, an unbelievably supportive, amazing group of players and songwriters that are in this floating around the, you know, the various towns we live in. And that is the most important thing to me. You know, uh, the business and work is a way to afford myself, you know, the opportunity to do that in a way and, you know, support myself. Right. There's a couple of things that came up there that I um, wanted to ask you about, because what I hear in the, the, the answer that you just gave about um, how you compartmentalize those things um, there, or how you, let me rephrase that. What, what I heard in, in the part about how you ended up uh, managing Philip is that there was a certain amount of like intuition that you were able to follow. Yeah, and, right. and one of the things that it's in my notes here, one of the things that I wrote down about this record um, is that there by no means your, your, your forthcoming record is that there, there felt like there was a, an intuitive, there's an intuitive feel to it. There's right. a lot of intuition in there. And I wonder if that's something you've, you were conscious of when you were writing the record, or if that's something that's kind of been how you've lived life uh, just in general. Well, I, I think that um, what makes this record successful for me personally whether or not anyone in the world likes it or not, mm -hmm. is that with Mitchell's, you know, brilliant assistance, it was, there are very few moments on there that don't ring true to me. Mm. And, you know, if you can, I don't care what it is, if you can, you know, say what you feel and mean it, uh, man, that's a gift, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and, and it's really, in, in music and in I think any art form or anything else, it's really hard to do that. It sounds so incredibly easy and simple. And when you hear it done, it sounds like nothing, you mm -hmm. know, and now I'm going to go off into the songwriting thing, you know, because to me, you know, there are songs that will make me, the, uh, that I'll, you know, collapse on the floor when I hear them. Mm -hmm. And they could be three fucking chords, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And you're going, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. How, how does that person do that with three chords and a couple of verses mm -hmm. and the, you know, and I'm always astonished and, and, and thrilled when I get that hit from something. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, well, they, you know, as they say, three chords and the truth, you know, mm -hmm. but I think for me, what I like about this record is that there are very few moments that aren't, that are, that don't ring true to me. And, you know, Mitchell and I spent a lot of time uh, weeding through stuff and throwing stuff out, you know, throwing, you know, there's third verses all over the floor on Mitchell's studio. <laughs> um, and it makes it fun, you know, because yeah. when you can do that, and especially, you know, when things are simple, that's, that's, I mean, I love complicated, complex songs too, don't get me wrong. Sure, you know? sure. But, you know, I think the core of where I come from is, you know, the folk, you know, soul blues thing where it's that simplicity, you know, that, that if you can accomplish that, it's just insane when someone does, when someone right. pulls that off. 
Right. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, the, well, so many things come up every time you open your mouth. I'm, I'm so, this has been so interesting. The, the editing part, are you a decent editor yourself? Does the business side of you kick in in those moments? Um, no, there's no business side connection at all. At to all. The song or not. That's like, shut the door, go away. <laughs> yeah. Know, don't come near me. You know, yeah. There's no, yeah. So do you need somebody else to help you edit or are you able to? Um, I like having people. That's edit. cool. And, and um, my relationship with Byron Isaacs, who is a brilliant songwriter, um, he has really been as much an editor with me as, as a co-writer. Mm. Um, I have no compunction whatsoever about, you know, you know, bringing other people in. I don't have to have just my name on a song. I don't care. If, you know, if Byron walks in and sits down on the couch and changes one word, that's a co-write because, you know, what, like I was saying before, it's like, to me, you know, you can change one word and, and it has huge impact or one little melody. And um, uh, so the edit, I use Byron a lot for that editing process. You know, I don't know if you know, you know that like a perfect example is Don't Get Me Started. You know that song? Mm -hmm. It's on there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I wrote that on a whim and that was we didn't recut that live. That was, I cut that during the pandemic and I sent it to, that was an iPhone recording of me singing right here. I sent it to Mitchell. He put, blew the track up and that's what's on the record. And wow. then David, David did a solo, but I just played it for Byron. And I said, Oh, here's this thing. I'm going to throw it out. And you know, he goes, no, 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 man. It's really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> and I would have thrown it out because oh, it was too simple, you know? <laughs> uh -huh. And, you know, but he kind of comes in and, and kind of steers me, you know, into down a, down a road. So it's, that's great. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That, that creative collaboration. Um, it's fun. It's also really fun to work with somebody. I just, yeah. I don't like spending all the time by myself, you know? Right. The, the, you made me think about uh, when you said, when you mentioned, don't get me started, you made me think about, kind of some of the themes that come up for me and i wonder if they're conscious themes for you as well and on the record and uh the specific thing that came up to me the more i listened to the record was um traveling and and also coming home or like traveling and hoping for someone else to come back home or something else mm -hmm. to come back home um that's what kept coming back to me and i wonder if that's something that you intended or that that's that you were aware of oh uh. I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. I mean, you know, the thing is the traveling thing is a lot of that for me is looking back mm. <laughs> at my youth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a romanticism with that. Uh, I don't get to do nearly as much of that as I used to do. I've mm. got a daughter, I've got a family. Mm. And, you know, to me, you know, music, traveling, uh, the freedom, from all those things, it's not something that ever leaves who I am. Mm. And, you know, hopefully I'll be, you know, in my mid to late eighties, you know, somewhere. And I know I'll be thinking about, you know, some beach in Baja uh, with a beer, you know mm. what I mean? Uh, so that never leaves, um, you know, it's like I was almost a physicality with that. And in terms of the coming home part, I'm not sure where that button was for you but to me then that that is that comes back to if i'm misinterpreting this i probably am but to me it always comes back to the interpersonal you know 
it's all about, you know, my relationship with, you know, in, whoever, whatever right. the thing is, you know, my relationship to guilt, my relationship with my family, whoever it is, some situation. And, you know, I write, it's so funny, my daughter, you know, she'll hear me writing a song and she'll be in another room and she, as a joke, she goes, daddy, is that about me? Is that one about me? <laughs> Um, and plenty of them are, but in, for the most part, you know, when I'm writing, and I'm, I know this is true of most writers, it's like I'm using emotional relationships in a story that may have absolutely nothing to do with the specifics of that emotional relationship. But I take the emotional, you know, fabric and I use it in the song, you know, and I use the song as a way of expressing those things. Um, mm. that may not have anything to do with the specific lyric uh, of the tune. Oh, that's great. Man, this has been such a pleasure. We usually end on what you're getting down on. You've mentioned a few songs. You mentioned a few artists that really move you. Um, yeah. What about like at this moment, it could be TV, it could be a book or a song or what's got you fired up right now? Uh, it's going to sound really pretentious, but there's this new, new writer that somebody turned me on to who writes essays called Ula Biss. And I'm only saying this in case there's like three listeners that know who that is. Um, it kind of it kind of blew me away because she's a uh, female and she's younger. And, you know, it kind of at this stage of my life, it's like I'm really curious about how other people are thinking and you know i know how my generation thinks i've been living with them my whole life and so for me it's it's fascinating because it really is different and i know it may not seem that way but it really is very different you know for for me you know reading authors that are uh from a different from a totally different context um, so that's, that's who I'm reading. I'm on our third book in a row. With that. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I've never, I've, and I recognize the name, but I don't, that's not fair. I got to come up with something. <laughs> yeah, no, but not, not that I know anything about her. I just, I didn't, I didn't know anything about her. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look her up. I'll have to get into her. Cause I think I love how you said that. And I, you know, it's something that I struggle with a little bit. I don't struggle with. It's something I'm aware of that. I tend to consume. I just turned 40 last month. Um, it's a big one, man. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's huge, man. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And I wonder if like, and there's a couple other things that have happened in my life in the last month that have, that have contributed to what I'm about to say, but it has really, um, it's chilled me out more than I thought it would. Like something about, I have a great deal of anxiety about my mortality. And so I thought 40, I'd freak the fuck out. And I didn't, I, I just sort of was like, Oh, I'm 40 now that and something and then there's some other things that happened in my life that have like helped to ground me. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I feel at peace in a way that I haven't in forever. I don't know if that was similar for you. But like, um, but the point I was making and saying all that is that like, I gravitate toward um, artists who are from kind of the same region as me who um have had similar lives i connect to jason isbel's records in a way that i don't with some other people because not because our lives were the same but there's just so much about what he's experienced and what he said and how he grew up that i that resonates with me and that's true of a lot of um writers too you know i've been reading a lot mm -hmm. of like um appalachian writers and all my people mm -hmm. are from kentucky and mm -hmm. um and so i'm 
I am interested in the idea of like, I, it's not that I don't branch out. It's just that I kind of come back to my comfort zone a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not only consuming that art, but it is kind of like my blankie, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, well, you're saying that I'm trying to think of what my blankie is, but I don't know if I. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, well, what you're talking really, what I was thinking about was that, you know, what I always go to are the songwriters. You know, there was that Bee Gees mm -hmm. documentary that just came out. Mm -hmm. You know, look, man, we all laughed at the Bee Gees, but give me a fucking break. Those songs, those, some of those early tunes are ridiculous mm -hmm. and it's so brilliant. And, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter whether it is them, Chris Christopherson, you know, a little while ago, I heard uh, Danny O'Keefe has a song called Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues. Do you know that song? Mm, sounds uh, familiar. Whatever. You yeah. know, it's just one of those things where it's like three chords and you're just going, how did that happen? How yeah. do these people do this? You know, Dolly Parton has been out a lot with the documentaries and stuff. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, go away, man. It's like, yeah. you know, man, if you can get, if I get anywhere near that, I am really happy. You know? yeah well do you do you measure yourself or are you are you able to just go like well, I, I don't i don't start by measuring myself i start by pleasing myself yeah. and you know if there's anything that i've gotten better at it's that because i don't i care much less mm. um but you know it has to please me right here and if it pleases me right here that is i remember when some somebody once came to one of my gigs and they go um it was an old friend and she came up and she goes, Jim, that was so great. What, what are you going to do? And I'm like, that was it. I just did. It. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to go on the road? No, you just watched it. Uh... That was it, you know? So as a songwriter to be able to get that sitting right here is, man, that's, that is a gift. If, if you can have that in your life to be able to, you know, touch that stuff and have that in the room with me. And so it starts with that, you know, then later you go, is the song any good or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. But it always starts out with this, this make me happy. You know, yeah. what is this doing to me? Or is this hit me in some emotional way? Well, your new record hits me in an emotional way and makes thank me you, happy. I appreciate it. And, <laughs> uh, I'm so grateful for your time too. This makes me happy. Yeah, so thank, thank you. you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, likewise, yeah. likewise. Yeah. All right, man, take care. Cheers. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. so much jim thank all of you for listening this episode was a blast to make despite our technical problems give jim's record a spin it's called by no means um it's wonderful revisit 8675309 by tommy two-tone by the way um it's one of the songs that's ubiquitous but if, give it another listen there's a reason why everyone knows it it's a good song Give The Marinade a follow on Twitter and Instagram, marinadepodcast.com for all things The Marinade. Tell a friend about the show, rate us, and subscribe on your podcast app. Those are all free ways you can support us. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining that Patreon. Seriously, y'all, it's so much fun. I'm having a blast over there. It's another creative outlet for me, and I'm trying to think of ways to continue to... Um, to make it uh, something that people want to want to be a part of and um, 
right now you know it's a small small group of folks but we are having a blast so if you can swing it we greatly appreciate it all those freeways though are huge ways to help the show and i'm just super super grateful for everybody who listens all right y'all it's time for what i'm getting down on the segment of the show where i talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment um, I've been listening to a few things. The, the thing that I've had on rotation, the record I've had on rotation uh, lately uh, is this is I'm recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. So um, Aaron Lee Tajian's record Tajian 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 came out on Friday, um, last Friday, February 5th. It's gorgeous. I mean, you know, I got to get Aaron on the show. I, we're like one degree of separation away from each other. And I feel like I've been saying this for years. That I need to get him on the show, so um, I, I need to just step up and do it. He's just such a bright light. Everybody, I don't know him personally, but everybody who talks about Aaron says that uh, he's just a delight, just a, a sweet, sweet person and um, an incredible, incredible musician. If you don't know Aaron, uh, Aaron's music, go through his old records, go through his catalog. Um, he was also the guitar player for Driving and Crying. Um, just for a little while just a fantastic musician and this record showcases everything that i love about aaron um so that's the thing that i've just been totally uh obsessed with lately and i highly recommend it i've also been listening to a lot of the colonel um mine i think it's our next episode is gonna be with the colonel y'all he's just i've been in the mood for country music just i don't know i don't know if it's turning 40 and being nostalgic i don't know if it's just just the rhythms of the world or whatever but i've been really heavy into uh, a country sound and the colonel provides sort of this fresh take on 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 a classic country sound that i have so much love and respect for um and we had a wonderful conversation like i'm really stoked for y'all to hear it so many good things happening with the show. Uh, the Colonel's coming up. We also have our conversation with Will Johnson coming up. And I just had a blast with Corey Ryan Forrester, the comedian Corey Ryan Forrester, the Buttercream Dream, the Cho. If you're a well-read comedy fan, you know him already. If you're not, you're about to get to know one of the funniest dudes out there and just a, a thoughtful sweet guy we had we really hit it off and had so much fun um i'm so stoked for y'all to hear this conversation so many good things happening and 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 i'm so grateful for all of you who listen to the marinade all of you who support the marinade in different ways tell people about the show spread the word interact on twitter interact on instagram all that stuff makes a big difference and i appreciate you your time is valuable, and you choose to spend some of it with us, and that means a lot to me. Y'all, until next time, if you can swing it, go out and create something. If not, don't beat yourself up. Cheers, y'all. <laughs>